When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. And if you're new, welcome to the show. We have new episodes coming out every Monday, so make sure that you are subscribed. Um, But if you've been around for a while and uh, you have an artist that we haven't talked about yet and they're like your favorite artist, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. You can DM us uh, whoever you want to talk about, and we will talk about them. We try to make space uh, to talk about fan submissions. But finally, if you are... um, if you would consider yourself like a major fan of the show, uh, go down into the link in the description, become a patron. Um, you get episodes early and uh, special access to uh, our favorite segment of the podcast, which is for patrons only, which is the bad music podcast, where we talk about the six worst songs uh, from the artist. If you don't know, Lucas ranks. Uh, every song from the artist of, from that week. And so we usually talk about more of the top tier stuff, but sometimes it's fun to kind of let loose and critique some <laughs> some bad music, especially last week. Dear God. Yeah, last week was the most fun I've had in that segment. Terrible. I mean, we love Metallica and everything. If you haven't, <laughs> I would say become a patron <laughs> just to have access to that. Yeah. But anyways, um, Lucas, I've been very excited. The The days of... I've been counting down the days for this one, so I I will let you introduce who we're talking about today. So we have a theme this month where all of the um, music that we've been talking about is all live music. So our previous episode was Metallica, and we talked about their very uh, famous S&M show. And this week, we're going to be looking at another live show, but it's going to be in a completely different area of music. We're going to be talking about a band that is on everyone's mind right now, and I didn't even intend to – I was going to put this episode here anyway, and then I found out that these guys were splitting up, and it was just like, wow, this this ended up being really good timing. Uh, We're talking about Daft Punk today, and we are going to be specifically talking about that amazing – 2007 Alive album. I feel like it encapsulates so much. But are we talking... So this first segment... Well, I guess I'm interested in your first thoughts, Lucas. So, um, I do not listen to electronic music at all. Except for quite a while now, I have 
always been a big Daft Punk fan. They're really like my only foray into this style of music. And I feel like that that's similar for a lot of people. I feel like there's a lot of people that hate uh, EDM music and techno music, but like no one ever really disses on Daft Punk. Did you um, did you get into Daft Punk through random access memories or before then? No, I was before that. Um, I remember, like I had I had heard of Daft Punk for quite a while because they they got to a pretty big name recognition level in the early to mid 2000s but it was like i couldn't like if you were to ask me what's a daft punk song i wouldn't be able to tell you but it's like i knew the name and if you heard the song you would know it yeah which i'll talk about a little bit later um and i i was like i think they do like dance music techno music but i didn't quite know but for some reason i just i always had this positive um, like I didn't know about the whole robot look that they had, and it was just the name. That was it. And so I remember when the Tron movie was announced that everyone was making a really big, and that came out in like 2010, I think. Yeah, probably something like that. Because I know that's when the soundtrack came out. So, I, but I don't know if it like maybe got. I think it was 2000 because it was a summer movie. I remember everyone made a really big deal that Daft Punk was doing the music for it. And for some reason, I got hyped about it, even though I knew nothing about Daft Punk. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, awesome. I bet that soundtrack's going to be great. But I don't I don't know what Daft Punk does. And so um, I remember going to see that movie in the theaters. It's still the only time I've ever seen the movie. And I, the movie was not very good. It was, but I, I remember in the theater, I remember thinking that it was good. And then like a little bit later, I was like, well... It wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember being... In the moment, I liked it. ...by a lot of the story, but I remember thinking, I was just like, man, this music is awesome. And then I kind of forgot about Daft Punk. And then um, I always talk about the uh, the iPod that my dad gave me when I was in mm-hmm. eighth grade. So um, that I was in eighth grade in like 2006, and so by 2011, there were still areas of that iPod I had never really explored. And on that iPod was Alive, this album. Ooh. And I remember just – and I remember because it was also uh, – he had put the Tron soundtrack on there. So I was like, oh, I want to listen to that soundtrack again. I haven't heard that in a while. And you went to the artist. And I went to the artist, yeah. and I listened. Like, that's fun. What's this Alive thing? And so I was on a road trip. We were driving from Oklahoma to Destin, Florida. So it was a long drive. And I was just like, I was bored. So I was just like, let's let's listen to this live album. And that like instantly turned me into a Daft Punk fan. This album was like my eye-opening experience. Because the what happened was is that every single song that came on. I knew it, and I had no idea it was them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I heard Robot Rock go in. I was just like, oh, I know that. And then it goes into Technologic. Oh, I know that. Television Rules the Nation. I know that. Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. I know that. Like, it just it kept <laughs> happening. It got to one more time. I was just like, oh, my God, I know all these songs. <laughs> just because, like, you, I had heard them on commercials or on the radio or just, you know, like, 
I remember I had like a it was like the world's know, lobby music for a long time. Yes. And so it just it blew my mind that I knew all these songs. And um but then also just hearing just how good it sounded and how just well put together all of the mixes were. I was like, oh man, okay, I really love this. I remember the summer of 2011, that was my album that I just like listened to on repeat and just couldn't get enough of. And so when Random Access Memories came out in 2013, I was already like really hyped about it. Mm -hmm. And um, by that time, I was mostly listening to music digitally. I loved that album so much that I went out and bought a CD of it so I could have it in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and the summer of 13, there was probably nothing I listened to more than that record. It's a great record, dude. It's so good. I remember a lot of car rides where we listened to this album. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> When we when we were doing our drag gold, we were doing the the one hour every night gig, one, mm-hmm. one hour one hour uh, out play for three hours, drive back and out. Yeah, literally, it was always I always listened to it on the way back. It just it was because yeah. very physically strenuous uh, gig, and so it was like, and it was always like late at night. And it's you're pretty much driving through nothing. Yeah, no, it's like a highway with like no lights. Uh huh, and no, no towns really. Yeah, and right. so it was just that album just like put me in the right uh, state of mind when I was driving. And so, yeah, this that album was huge for me, and um. I really, I really went back and forth on should I do an episode on the live or should I do an album just on random access memories? And I literally changed back and because I was because I was trying to think I was just like what what's the what's the best starting point for people if they want to get into Daft Punk? Is it random access memories? That's the most like a standard pop album. Or do you go to a live, which is like the best introduction to what Daft Punk really was, the yeah. dance techno side? I literally switched back and forth between two different sets like seven or eight times because <laughs> I truly didn't know. I would be all sold out. Yeah, I'm doing a live. This is going to be great. And then I would listen to Random Accident. I was just like, gosh, dang it. I want to do these songs. And so I'd switch then. And then I'd go back to listen to live. Oh, but I want to talk about this. And then finally, when I kind of realized the other episodes I was going to do a round, yeah, I was just let's let's do a live because I'm doing S and M. I'm doing the episode after this is also a live record. It'll make everything consistent, and we can always do another episode on Random Access Memories because you kind of really can't mix the songs from that album with the other songs in their discography. Yeah. And so it's like, if we're going to talk about those songs, it has to be a set that just has those songs. And there's enough great material on that record to do a whole episode on. There's so much story around it and and so many cool things going on in the music. So that was, that was, that was my journey, my struggle. And then after that, trying to figure out what six songs I was going to do was also very difficult. I thought... 
I think your song choice is great. <laughs> I was I was happy when I finally settled on it, but it was a one of the one of the most difficult processes I've ever done constructing a set. You would think that it would be easy because I'm only having to deal with one album, but trying to get a good flow as well as get a good representation and some some very tough sacrifices had to be made. It literally hurt my heart to not have one more time yeah. on there. I was but, looking through it and I was like, that's like, I mean, also the, the superheroes and human after all is a great one. Yeah, I, I really considered that one as well. Um, but I think you got most of them. I think you picked the strongest. Yeah. I just, for, with one more time, I couldn't figure out where to take the set from there because it, it ends in such a weird place on that album. Yeah. Like, it doesn't give you a nice, clean ending. And so it was just like, I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I try, and that was most of my struggle with that. I was, I was trying to figure out a way to make one more time work, and I just couldn't do it. But I ended up being happy with what happened instead. So my first thoughts on Daft Punk is I'm a huge fan. I would put myself at a nine. Not quite a ten to be pillar level, but this is a band that two different summers was the my favorite band. And really introduced me to a... I, I can't really say it like got me into the world of EDM because I don't even listen to anything else this genre but like it did open me to a different way of listening to music mm -hmm. and just kind of a different world of music i think it i think it helped me maybe soften up to some more modern pop in a way yeah that's a weird way and, to look at it but yeah <laughs> yeah and it helped me even appreciate some like you know some more 80s stuff like Thanks to Daft Punk, I feel like I've got a greater appreciation for bands like Tears for Fears and more of these bands that are not as instrument-based but are very imaginative and interesting with electronic music or like stuff like Nine Inch Nails and, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that's that's not, you know, people playing instruments as much. Even though there's still a little bit of that in there, it... Um, so yeah yeah so, yeah that was my starting point like this was an episode that i was not like you know oh man i gotta delve into something i'm not familiar with like i was already pretty pretty high on daft punk so <laughs> ethan how about you i so i um was kind of like a sound guy for a long time and i i it's very similar to lucas where i I was like, I've heard these guys like, like you kind of intuitively know a lot of these songs. Like if you, if you're out there and you're like, I don't think I've ever heard of Daft Punk. Like if you go listen to the set after today, you'll, <laughs> you'll be like, oh yeah. Like the same as Lucas's experience. Like, oh, they did that. They did that. But I got, I guess I got exposed a little bit earlier because I became like a sound guy and I was like in charge of the playlist. And so anytime a song, like I like knew all the songs on the playlist and I was like, oh man, everything that's coming around by these by this band daft punk is really good and then i was able to kind of like just jump into that i the um the homework album i like played on repeat for a long long time 
Yeah, that's a that's. I mean, that was that was the record that started it for them. And so I and I just love. I don't know. I I also like it. I really like that weird underground like boom bap like techno style like that they started out with. You know. And so, like, everything on that is great. And then I kind of started seeping into the Discovery album and the Human After All. Um, and then I didn't really even know about Alive 2007. Like, like... Bing. Someone got an idea. <laughs> We're keeping that in. Keep it in. Um yeah, I got whenever a live 2007 released, you know, it was a little bit off my radar because we just it never got played in the playlist still, you know, until I went back to Daft Punk and I found a live 2007 and just like wore it out. I just consumed it <laughs> for so long. And then I kind of like lost track. I mean, I guess from a live 2007 to the Tron album was like three years Mm-hmm. And then it was like another three years before Random Access Memories, which I loved because it's very disco soul and also very Daft Punk in another weird way, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane how that album is simultaneously a perfect encapsulation of seventies, and yet at the same time sounds exactly like Daft Punk. I think it's, I mean, Daft Punk and Pharrell getting together. They just had a really good chemistry. Yeah, I think they and it. and and now Rod. I think the the seventies aesthetic comes from Nile Rogers. That's probably true because he he lived it. He was the king of disco. But all that to say, I would probably put myself at like an eight and a half or a nine. I probably eight and a half. I would say. I I don't think I went through maybe the same phases Lucas did, where it's like the only thing that I listened to for multiple summers. But my respect for them is very high. <laughs> and I'm very sad that they broke up. Yeah, me too. I thought we would get one more. I, I was always expecting for there to be one more. One more time. Yeah, I was... I didn't think they would just cut off cold turkey like that. I guess it had been like eight years without any content, but still. Yeah. So, Grant, this is going to be the most interesting first thoughts because Ethan and I are coming in already as pretty big fans. So, what are what are your first thoughts about Daft Punk? Well, kind of, kind of like you, Lucas. When I was listening through this Alive album, I didn't realize how many of specifically of the melody lines that I recognized. I mean, there there were two in particular, and it's it's pretty obvious which ones they are when we when we. Um, go to the the set but i always knew that daft punk existed because of like tron um like that was before i even got into music seriously i knew that daft punk was a band um i loved the tron movie because of the aesthetic and the music not because of the plot line because you know i was only nine so i didn't really care about any that's fair intense like plots or anything that made actual, you know, storytelling sense. I just wanted flashy lights and cool sounds, right? And Daft Punk gave me the cool sounds. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, but a lot like Lucas, I forgot about Daft Punk. Now I had some um, 
really good friends who were brothers at the time. Uh, well, they're brothers now, but they're, they were my friends. They were my friends at the time and they're still brothers. Okay. That's, that was a bad way of phrasing that. But, um, and they were big into EDM and stuff. And so of course they loved Daft Punk and Skrillex and, you know, bands like that. Cause that was what was a big deal when I was in, you know, middle school. Um, and late elementary. And so they would always talk about Daft Punk and, oh, they like Daft Punk. And for some reason, I completely forgot that Daft Punk did um, Tron because I remember somebody mentioning it. I remember, you know, whether it was um, them or, you know, one of my other friends was like, oh, yeah, Daft Punk did the soundtrack for that movie. And I like in one ear and out the other, I guess. Um, And so I always thought Daft Punk was like a punk band. And which I don't think that's necessarily the case, you know? Um, And so I just, I didn't have a lot of context for who they were. I didn't really connect any of the dots for a very long time until recently, right? When all of a sudden it's a, it's a big mainstream um, uh, story that Daft Punk is no longer together. I'm like, what do you mean Daft Punk is no longer together? You know, I thought that they were, not a thing for a while now i i pictured daft punk being you know from from what i then connected the dots afterwards i thought that they were like a band that started in like the 70s this is this is how much little con or how little context i have i don't even know what years they're from right i thought they were like in the 70s and they were like experimenting with the vocoding stuff and early synthesizer stuff. And then by the time you got to the Tron, you know, uh, movie, it was like, oh, we're going to get this really big artist to do the soundtrack so you'll come see the movie, right? Um, I I have no... Basically, my first thought is I don't know anything at all, really. That's what I'm trying to say. I didn't even know they had the robot costumes until I saw pictures of the headlines of, like, them no longer being together. I'm like, why are they putting... Uh, pictures from a Muse music video, right? (laughs) I don't... It looked like Cylons. I'm like, what does Battlestar Galactica have to do with Daft Punk? But, you know, all that being said, right, I am not an EDM fan. I'm not really an electronic music fan, but I am a sucker for a good synth lead patch and a good synth lead line. I think everyone is. You know, all of the all of the thrash metal bones in my body, I still love a good. There's, some, there's something primal about EDM sometimes, where it's just like mm-hmm. I feel like they right. trick you into like they just build and and it's just like I can't help but like this. It's so it's just so simple. Whereas last episode we were listening to songs that were very very complex, and you know. Lots of different moving parts that are constantly changing and evolving. Whereas here in this episode, I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about a lot simpler compositions with just a lot simpler feelings and emotions. And it's just, it's what sounds good rather than what is well composed. Right. Mm -hmm. I might, I I wouldn't say that because I think that's, I think they both are. I think they're both 
both this episode and our previous episode consist of music that is both well composed and sounding good. Um, but I think that at least from my perception, um, the episode or the music we're going to talk about on this episode is all about the sound and the raw emotion rather than, oh, let's build this beautiful chord over this odd, you know, tritone kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get Jimmy. I just, it was, I think I thought it was weird the way you were just phrasing it. Right. Right. Yeah. This is, this is definitely more about, more about um, <laughs> the creating atmosphere. More about the craziness that they're doing arrangement wise than the than the musical complexity for sure. Yeah, from yeah. what it sounds like, it sounds like they're like DJing someone's like high school prom or something. No, they're they're DJing. I don't want. I don't want to. Where, where was the show? I don't want to cheapen it by saying that, but that's like that's the vibe I'm getting. Well, yeah, that yeah. In a derogatory way. Dude, the the stage setup on this show is just ridiculous. There's two guys. How much room do you need, dude? Whenever so, EDM shows are insanity. It is absolute insane because they have so much extra budget. Like if you think like, oh, we're bringing in, you know, a big band. It's like okay, we gotta we gotta lug in all the all the music equipment and all the stuff to make the soundboard, you know, all that stuff. If you just have like a DJ, like honestly, I think what they do, maybe not Daft Punk, but I would assume that they do this as well. You pretty much pre-build the show. Like the whole entire show is pre-built, you know? And you just have like effects stuff that you can do. Like, so you pretty much have like a really simple effects console that the tracks run through that's analog and that just that signal just goes kind of to the sound guy and into some speakers you know and so you have the rest of the budget that everyone else would be spending on all this other crap you know (laughs) to just pump it into lighting and light walls and pyrotechnics and everything else yeah so Grant, where would you put yourself on the on the scale one to ten? Like five. I don't think there's anything anywhere else I could put myself other than five. Yeah, respectable. Okay, let's talk about who Daft Punk is. Okay. So there's, it's just two guys. Has it been um, two guys the whole time, or yep. is it like a Dread Pirate Roberts kind of thing? No, it's the okay. same two guys. They are French. Oh. Um, one of them has the most insane name. And I'm, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it. So the guy that's wearing the gold robot helmet is Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's just, it's, he's got a, a hyphenated first name, the de in the middle, and then a hyphenated last name. Uh, that's true. And then the uh, the silver robot is Thomas Bangalter. Oh, that's a lot more palatable. Yeah. So I'm gonna just refer to them as gold and silver. They don't they don't have actual like 
stage names. Po- stage names. Like and people know talk. what. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk. People know who their names, but nobody actually really knows what they look like. Oh, really? They've never. They never have. They've never made public appearances without their costumes. Even whenever they were they, whenever they won their Grammy, they didn't say anything. They just waved and left. Mm-hmm. They never speak. They no. don't speak. Well, some sometimes they do. They well, they hey, they definitely have not recently. Um, and anytime they would do interviews, they actually wouldn't go dressed as their robot parts, but they would still cover their faces and make their identities anonymous. Why? Just in in some other way, like you wouldn't like if there was a video interview, you wouldn't see what they looked like. There'd be some way that they were obscured. Was that just their thing, or yeah, because they so when they initially started off in the and so they they formed in ninety three. That's pretty recent. And uh, the first album came out in ninety seven, mm-hmm. and the first album took off pretty quickly. And by that point, they hadn't really solidified their look yet. They were they were using masks, but they also weren't being super secretive with their identities yet. And it wasn't robot masks. They were like using whatever masks they happened to find lying around. And then once that first album, Homework, started to pick up speed really quickly, they made a... a conscious decision that, you know, no matter how big we get, we want to always have our personal lives be personal we don't want uh-huh. to be we don't want to be chased around on the streets we don't want to be identified whenever we walk into places like because again people are are know their names but like you're not going to see any of them walking you know like say you're a store owner and they walk in you will never know like oh, that's guy manuel and thomas like you're just gonna realize it's just two guys because you don't know what they look like. They would have to tell you what their names were for, you, and they're not gonna do that. So it was all about not wanting fame in the sense of people following you and taking photos of you and constantly harassing you. They kind of they created these alter egos to kind of you know have this separation between personal and public life. That is respectable. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. And, and you know, it also made it to where it created – I don't think they intended for this to happen, but it created this incredible mystique and this myth that's always surrounded mm-hmm. Daft Punk. They were able to kind of like – because once – it was Round Discovery, the second album came out, that they really solidified the robot aesthetic and personality and like this whole mythology really just kind of grew around them they didn't start it but it was like they kind of just allowed people to write their own story for them because like the the unofficial story is that there are robots from outer space that have come to uh give music to the earthlings (laughs) it's pretty funny like even even when like 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 hearing Pharrell talk about working with Daft Punk, he's just like you know, whenever I was done working with them, they just got up on their starship and that left. Is... I was lucky to I was lucky to be on Earth to see to that's play some so music with 70s them. Prague. 
That's why I thought yeah. that. Oh, man. They pull, I would say, the most yeah. from 70s. Yeah. Even if, like, if you went through Discovery, you would, like, Face to Face is one of my favorite songs of theirs. Mm-hmm. And it it just has an undeniable, it's so weird because they're techno, but, like, they do so much, like, really clean guitar funk stuff. Yeah. It is so strange, but it's freaking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're, like, they're talented musicians, like, you know, un- until random access memories, they pretty much did everything themselves. Mm-hmm. So anytime that you hear like the the processed robot voices, that's them. Although we don't really know who's doing what. I like to think, and just my own head canon that um, Guy Manuel, which I'll just I'll call him Gold, uh, does mm-hmm. like the lower pitch robot voices and uh silver does the higher pitched ones but i don't know if that's it for sure because they never like on album liner notes they don't say lead vocals by so and so on this one and this one it's just like Mm -hmm. it's just there it could be one person doing all it could be two i don't know we don't know but i just i really play then well we do know that they They do do everything themselves instruments the all of the, the uh, processing all the processing all the mixing all the producing all wow. of the uh the sound engineering like it's 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 all until random access memories was a project in collaboration like every song just about had uh famous musicians from all eras kind of coming in it was like an experiment to see how can we make this album that includes all these different people when before they were very insulated again there were there were small exceptions like having uh Todd Edwards come in and sing face to face or um that's that's really the only main one i can think of from the those first so when three did, records when did random access memories happen that was two, 2013 oh wow so they don't have a very rigorous release schedule no, they don't. And there's 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 four albums alive in the Tron soundtrack and that's it. Okay. That's not a lot. And well a lot. No, which again made made my research process a lot easier than it normally is. I got to I got to get through the discography very easily. And it allowed me to really refine the ranked playlist. I got to go through it a couple times and really make my decisions of where everything's going to sit. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, it's amazing how big of a mark that they made with such a limited amount of views. It's true. And then doing it all themselves. I mean, just when, when, when they, yeah, when they hit the scene, they hit it hard. Like, homework was, homework was big. Um, but it was mainly just really big in the dance world. But then when Discovery came out in 2001, that was like their crossover big record. Like you were hearing a lot of those songs like on just normal pop radio. Yeah, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger just destroyed the radio. Which one? Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Oh yeah, and I remember hearing one more time all the time on the radio. Yeah, one more time was massive. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have any number one, although Get Lucky got to number two. Wait. So they almost. Is that the Pharrell Williams song or whatever? Yeah, one of them. Wait, that's a that song is so song? good. Yep. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, you're still experiencing the that's a Daft Punk song. Okay, wait. <laughs> yeah. Vibes. That you. was like that was just about the biggest song okay. of 2013, which is why it was shocking when I was like, that didn't go wait to number one. Okay, so. That was that was random excess memories. Now Ethan mentioned or he asked the question, was random access memories your first Daft Punk album? Is, is that because it's by and large their most popular work? Okay. Yes. That was that was they won album of the they won like six Grammys for that record. Like that was and, a that was a monster record. And it was I think that like Lucas was saying, like you kind of have to pick between. I mean, you Alive 2007 and the stuff off of Random Access Memories, even though it's the same band, like it is so different. Like Random Access Memories is a lot less dancey EDM. It's like more club banger more, and like, a lot more 70s. Yeah, it's it's kind of more of just like a, a okay, great I pop might record. Want to check that? Like, like all like imagine like if. If this Alive 2007 is EDM with 70s influence, then Random Access Memories is like 70s with EDM influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the exact opposite side of the coin. Yeah. A normal Daft Punk album, the songs on there aren't really songs in the way that you would say like there's verses and choruses. It's almost the way that they would write a lot of their tracks it was almost like they were creating ammo for themselves for other people to remix them Mm -hmm. and i think what makes alive so powerful is that it almost feels like the whole point of them making music it was like it was leading up to alive because really when you listen to a lot of the daft punk songs you're like that's an interesting concept but you're not it's rare whenever you're just like, oh man, that's just a that's a that's a really interesting song. It's kind of more of like it's a it's a loop with some really cool sounds. Sometimes they go into these different sections, like um, you know, usually the ones that you would hear on the radio kind of are more song based, but even still, they're not like you know, like verse chorus type songs. They're more just like they're creating material for them to go, okay, we've got this great concept musically that we can now fiddle around with mm-hmm. and really all of those elements in a live is when it, they kind of all realize their potential because when human after all came out in 2005 that was actually a poorly received record hmm. uh, people did not like it especially when they were comparing every discovery is like for the for the EDM diehards, that's like Discovery is their best album. And I would say of those three, it is the best one. Um, it took them two years studio to make Discovery, and they only spent two months on Human After that, That's how it is. I will say, though, that Human After All still has 
some incredible television rules the nation and technologic and robot rock on it in two months human after all the title track yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but so a lot of people though were really disappointed because they it's a very minimalistic record discovery the the so- the songs go through a lot of sections and have a lot of textures to them where human after all was an experiment in minimalism it's they intentionally chose to spend a very small amount of time on it they wanted to cuz discovery is a very upbeat very hopeful it's it's meant to show you almost see discovery and human after all is like a du- a duology in our relationship to technology discovery like celebrates technology and human after all kind of like shows the dark side of technology a lot of the songs are darker a little more unsettling like technologic is a really kind of creepy song yeah um this video is even creepier and like machine steam machine and brainwasher um prime time of your life like all those songs are just are very they're a lot darker more industrial sounding a little more menacing sounding but at the same time there's a lot less going on on the tracks and so you know critics kind of hammered them for that but then the reason Alive is such an important record is that it actually turned around a lot of people's uh, opinions about the songs on Human After All, and now it's considered a great record by most Daft Punk fans because the because of, Alive. because of Alive. They kind of saw the true potential of a lot of those tracks, and were just like, there, that's what the songs were supposed to sound like. It's it's alive kind of retroactively made human after all a more beloved record. Can I ask a question? Yep. Do we know how these guys know each other? Like, do we know anything about the formation of the band at all? The, they were in um, they were in the alternative rock scene before, and never making it out of the underground. But they were just they they were both in the same circuit of musicians, and they eventually were just like, "Hey, let's just do a let's do a side project EDM thing." Where does the name come from? The name they 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 pulled a Led Zeppelin where they took someone's negative reaction of one of their shows, and someone said they just look like a couple of Daft Punks, and they were like, "That's a good name. Let's use that." Yeah. I was I was wondering where that came from. Yeah, because there's really not anything punk about mm. their music, not in the traditional sense. So you said that Human After All was darker, but it sounds to me like they don't have a lot of lyrics in their songs. So what do you mean by darker? No, just sonically okay. sounding. Like the, the the sound of it is a lot drier. It's a lot. There's a lot more empty space. Um, the lyrics that do repeat are not very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having someone over and over again in a very sinister voice say, I am the brainwasher, um, kind of 
I guess you could call it a pseudo concept album because it's it's it focuses a lot on technology kind of brainwashing people um and kind of like you know the the robots taking over hmm. so and and discovery much more is like the uh, the joy of technology mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah and then the tron man the tron thing was awesome yeah I thought they did an amazing job at Tron. Yeah, because not only did they do all of the electronic stuff, but they composed the entire yeah. score as well. That wasn't that wasn't a collaboration, like say with, you know, Phil Collins doing the Tarzan soundtrack. He didn't write the score to that. He just wrote the actual songs that were yeah. played. Yeah, but Daft Punk did the whole thing. So these guys and are like, like string arrangements and everything. It's not just electronic music. It's like a legit. Yeah, I would say it's actually like uh, 70 30 as far as like most. I would say like 70% of it is actually sh- like normal orchestral music. And then 30% of it is more like Daft Punky sounding. But that 70% of strings and horns is still like, really good is well they again like i don't know how they do it, but they know how to put their own flair on like even whenever like whenever the horns are playing it's like it's just they're adding very synthy things like kind of behind the horns to make them not feel like it's just like a orchestra by itself yeah know? that that main theme is really good and freaking Instead of like using, well, I think they have like tubas and stuff, but they're also using like the Moog sub bass. Like, so, like, whenever the orchestra does this big, like, swell, like, they're also swelling this, like, massive sub bass and this massive, like, pad under everything. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's freaking good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, the Tron, that was one of the most fun things about researching this was revisiting the Tron soundtrack. And just going, wow, this is really good. Even one of the one of the songs on there broke the top ten on the ranked playlist, which I didn't expect to happen. Ooh, oh, yeah. So. I mean, I wonder which one. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know the names of the songs uh, other than the song that was playing during this part <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. So, um, I didn't rank the songs on a live just because there's they're they're mixed so many of the songs together i i will as much as i can tell you where all the different tracks are ranked but that's also going to be a little bit daunting because sometimes they uh there's going to be little snippets of a song that are going to be ranked more towards the bottom just because the original Mm -hmm. track of it is just not very substantial um, but it's used perfectly in the live segment. So I am convinced that every single song from the first three albums is somewhere in a live. <laughs> You're probably right. The even more, if it's not in the title. Yeah, even though it's because, yeah, I started to really pick apart, and there was stuff I really started to notice for the first time that I was just like, I had no idea that this snippet of this song was even in there. 
And I was I started to hear it for the first time, just like, oh my gosh. So this song is represented here. And so I bet if I really got super familiar with every song that they had and really started to dissect alive, I bet that every song would be in there somewhere. Okay, that's kind of cool. Because yeah, they're cramming songs in there. Uh-huh. That also goes back to my personal belief that whenever you do a live concert, it's better to do more more short songs than fewer long songs. Yeah. In general. I think the every once in a while, if you really want to make a statement to do a long song, you do it, but well, I, I I think that that it depends. Like um, like a jam band, the whole point of it is to like have these long thirty minute versions of songs because it's like you don't know what's going to happen. It's improvised. As as someone that is a fan of jam bands, while while I agree with you, I've been to shows where it's like funk jam band, and they'll be going for a long time and be like, "Can we just freaking." Like, this is cool, but man, just do it to a different. <laughs> yeah. You can keep soloing. I'm just tired of hearing this freaking A section, B section for 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But... There's, a, there's a way to do it well. And I think also a lot of what jams band, what jam bands have uh, in their advantage is people getting stoned in the audience. Yes, yeah, that always helps. Um, okay, so as far as the topic of instruments goes, right? They do everything themselves, but what does everything mean? It means everything. I mean, well, I'm like, do they have acoustic you know, drums? Do they have sometimes? Do they have electronic drums? Sometimes. It's it. There's not. It's not a. You know, we're always going to use this kind. They honestly experiment and just use whatever is best. So for they the really song. do kind of like They're, add a horn section to a song just because it fits. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah, they're not someone who's just like we're only going to record music on this synthesizer or you know. We're always going to use the synths for this, but we'll always use live drums, or we'll always use electronic drums. We'll use live guitar. It's you. It's whatever is going to give them the sound that they want. And yet, all the albums sound and they're consistent, right? Sonically, yeah. In some really that weird way, yes. To where every album is different, but it always sounds like Daft Punk. <laughs> You you don't ever listen to it and go, what the heck is this? This doesn't sound like. And that each punk. of the albums, even each random of the act- songs on the album, sound like the other songs, like sonically, right? Mm, I mean, well, not well, necessarily. Oh. If if you went through and listened through all of homework, you would be like, dang, that's a. I mean that's awesome and it's a really complex sound palette you know but Mm -hmm. it all works somehow and then you would go listen to discovery and you'd be like whoa this is so different from the first one but also not different at all Mm -hmm. and then you would listen to that and you'd be like how how did this happen how is this the same band but it also sounds so different and then you would keep going through everything and you would just keep 
I feel like their sound has just like because like nothing was really off limits except for they were like, hey, we're electronic music. You know? We're electronic music. And then the, that first album was just so diverse in the soundscape that they just kept doing that over and over and over and over and over until we finally got to, which, dude, even even Random Access Memories has some crazy, like, you look at Get Lucky, which is very 70s, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, but then once it goes to that breakdown section... When it when it switches to the vocoder vocals, yeah, you, and it's that's like, just like that's like such pure Daft Punk. You hear, you hear, because yeah, you can you're listening to it, and it, it doesn't feel like Daft Punk, but as soon as that section hits, you're like, this is Daft Punk. And but then like the last, so Contact is like very not seventies, but also <laughs> in in some ways so seventies. Or or a uh, Giorgio by Moroder which is like is super techno daft punk but at the same time you've got all this crazy instrumental stuff going on i mean man random access Memories is just a it's a it's a masterpiece recording it's one of the i i still think it's one of the best albums i've ever heard hmm that's uh we're opening the door into who Daft Punk really is. And how the last song on Random Access Memories, I, so I love Contact, yeah. but it ends in the freaking weirdest way ever. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's what I would have ended a Random Access Memory set with. I think Grant would love it. Like, literally, it ends up, this really weird sound gets introduced in this last jam thing, and it's this, it, it pretty much, like, for the song's like six minutes and for the last three minutes there's this sound that just keeps rising and rising and rising and getting louder and louder and louder over time until it's like the entire mix just stops and it's completely distorted and it's only this sound in there and it just kind of like is almost meant to like drive you crazy That's and, it's, yeah. it's, and, and, ultimate, and then the album is over and then and, and now retrospectively that is the final Daft Punk track yeah ever which I think is gonna is now symbolizing them returning back to space. They're, they've left our planet. I want to listen to Random Access Memories now, and it's called Contact, which mm-hmm. is so alieny. Oh yeah, I've so got cool. the you've got the 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 NASA people talking. Yeah, oh, we see this <sighs> flying <laughs> object. It's moving really fast, and it keeps spinning at a specific. Uh, rotation with blinking light. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a great it's a great album and career ending track. And whenever we do an uh, a random access memories episode, we'll definitely talk about that song. Hmm. Man, I'm just excited. I just want to get into it, man. Unless there's anything else to talk about, which I mean, we could talk about. Grant, but the weird a... thing is, go ahead. They never say anything. Nope. So they're like this weird mystery. And so even coming into this, I'm like, I really want to know about their history, but there's probably not a lot to talk about. Because like, if there was drama, we, there's no way we would know about it. Nope. We don't even know why the real reason is they broke up. We don't know if it's... Yeah. 
you know, they they had said before that they'll keep making music as long as the music's good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of the question is, did they try and make music and just weren't ever satisfied with it? Did um, was there a falling out between the two of them? Was this just a feeling of, you know what, the time has come? You know, did they just want to, you know, live a more pedestrian life without any commitments to any kind of touring or recording? We don't know. We probably will never know. No, we'll never know. All we and I almost feel like it's poetic, just like that video. Yeah, I just be like, why don't you talk about them, their history more? It's just like, well, because we don't know and they don't want us to know. Yeah. That video is uh, is haunting and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it it I watched it and I was just like, what? And then like every I mean, you need to go watch the video, but like after it was over, I was just like, that's it? Like it's over? Yeah. And then it just was over. Like when I realized what was happening, I was just like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, it's happening. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, I'm I'm ready. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the six songs that we have picked for this Daft Punk 2007 Alive episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished taking a long time talking about Daft Punk, specifically their live Alive 2007 record, and now it's time to get into our six-song segment. So, Lucas, for those of us who are new, what is the purpose of the six-song segment? So, this is going to be our opportunity to introduce you to the band, but we're introducing them in the setting of a live record. So, all the songs are coming from this 2007 Alive record, and... This is not me just picking what I think are the six best songs off that album or what my six favorites are, but rather this are these are the songs that are going to introduce you to Daft Punk as well as have the songs transition well off of each other to have an emotional flow and hopefully have a cathartic experience at the end. So the way that you can go listen to these songs is there's a link in the description of the episode that will take you to a Spotify playlist and that will give you access to not just the songs on this episode, but all the songs from our previous episodes as well. So go check it out. And we're going to start at the beginning of the show. It's the most logical place to start. But we we start off with a banger of a song. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> Robot. I could not tell what they were saying for a second. I was yeah. like, oh, that makes it so cool. Well, because like the name is Robot Rock, so I thought he was just saying Robot Rock really slowly, and then I'm like, that doesn't sound like rock. That sounds like human. Which I have been listening to this album for like ten years now, and just the other day I realized that he was saying human. What? I never picked up on it. That's the whole. That's their whole concert. I know. <laughs> I don't know. The, I just thought it was like I just thought it was robots. a weird sound effect. It's like, the like are we going, human or are we dancing? 
Yeah. Where it's, yeah. And then I realized it's like, oh my God, it's this robot human battle. Yes. Yeah. Like, I just thought it was, I just thought it was a sound effect going, you, you, you. Well, so, know. yeah, you know, I'm sometimes I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, and and it's also like it's slowed down, but they chopped it up in a way that it sounds almost like they could have played it through a synthesizer. Yeah, which is a nice little thing, and that's so weird to like start a song like that. A lot of the songs that we're going to talk about start slow and then speed up, and it's like. For someone who listens to music that usually pretty much starts out the gate at the tempo that you're wanting, it's kind of weird to do that. But then once it once it hits and once it gets into the song, then it's like, okay, this is not totally foreign to me. Yeah. I felt like it was – and this is – I'm going to say things a lot that may be very controversial, but that's just because it's my untrained to EDM ear. It sounded overused. Obviously, I got used to it, and I ended up enjoying it. But um, at first listen, a lot of this stuff, a lot, especially like that starting slow, sounded like, oh, we don't know how to start a song. Let's just start slow, right? Yeah, no, it's 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 all about uh, building tension. There, yeah. the, the album version does not start like that, if it makes you feel better. Yeah, it just it goes right into the bow 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 which I I like the first two minutes of the studio version but then I feel like that that on the studio version it just like it stays exactly the same for too long. Or it just or just sits on that riff and doesn't add anything to it. Uh, which is which is really kind of the main problem with human after all in general. That's what a lot of the songs do is that they they do the same thing over and over again, but they don't. Because what a live does is even though they'll play the same idea, they'll add other things to it to kind of move it forward. Mm-hmm. Where on human after all, it's almost it feels like it's like again there it's it's ammunition. It's less about listening through human after all and just like getting all of the ideas out and familiar with your audience. So that way, when you go see it, you'll recognize all of the sounds that they're making, but you're going to actually hear like the real versions of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's just a very, uh, I guess, unorthodox way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, we're we're very much in the, you know, repetition is bad because the, <laughs> a lot of the bands we love and listen to don't, like, do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's much more about, okay, you do it a couple times, then you move on to something else. Right. And I had so, to unlearn that during this set. It, it takes a different brain position. Mm-hmm. For me, in a way, almost, it's the same part of my brain that I turn on when I'm listening to, like, really intense death metal. Mm. Yes. Where it's like my I, – I, in a way, I turn my brain off. I stop analyzing what I'm listening to, 
and I just like let my body take over. Okay. I I let I let the music just like on a primal level just guide me. Mm-hmm. The same thing I find happens when I listen to a live. I'm not studying what's happening because if I do, it's I'm going to find I get a little bored. Mm-hmm. Because that's not the point. When people are at that concert, they're not standing watching. They're they're dancing. That's the whole point of the music is to get you to dance. That's the number one objective. The number two objective is to sound freaking awesome, which it does. <laughs> which it does. That's true. I speaking of that, I really do like that main riff. That and that main synth line. It's just mm-hmm. tone smithing wise is so well done. The do 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 do. It's like ooh, yeah, yeah. The last minute of this song is. I still will not forget the first time that I ever heard it, where it just got kind of just goes back they, to that. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> they they just keep repeating that that like first quarter note of the but they just go and they just keep hitting that over and over. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of they kind of do a reversal of the song structure of the studio version, where they. They start off with the main line and then they end it with that intro, the bow, 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 bow. Yeah. So um, when they're performing, what are they? Do they just have a bunch of tracks and they're sitting in front of a console, like hitting buttons? They're not, well, they're not sitting. So they, they've got a, that. If you look on the album cover, that weird pyramid looking thing, mm-hmm. that's on stage. Okay. And they're right in the middle of it. Okay. And pretty much they're standing and they've got their robot helmets on. What's really cool and I, it's it's just it's kind of like this little ev- level extra level of detail about their characters is that they each bob to a different part of the beat. Gold like bobs on time. Like on bop 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 like his head is going right on the beat and silver he's bobbing on the offbeat, so but 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 but, and so they're they're like bobbing like in synchronicity <laughs> with each other, yet different. Did I I resonate with that silver, like pop your head back on the on the downbeats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I mean, what they're they're not like you know they they stay in one place the whole time. They're you know occasionally they'll like kind of like do like a whoop whoop with their hands, or they'll you know, but most it's it's kind of like they're they're almost like these these architects. They're not yes. you know robot not, architects. It's like you're you're just what you're you're not supposed to be like staring at the stage. It's, it's very much a active audience, but anytime you do look at the stage, you kind of just see like these monolithic people that are these two figures that are just like elevated way above everyone else. And they're just like creating the sonic mastery. That's kind of cool. That and is you just, cool. you just look at them and you just, you can see them working. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally they kind of look out and are bobbing their heads. They'll, They'll like raise a hand and they go back to their thing. It's it's very again, it's it's it does such a good job of creating this mystery, this otherworldliness. Yeah, they 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 feel like they feel like onlookers to the human spectacle. 
they, that they are crafting. They truly, you truly believe that they are robots. Like you, all of the stuff that you look, the way that they move, like, and they don't move like in the stiff way that like a, a cliched robot would move where it's like, like I, but they always move in a way that just, it doesn't feel completely human. It's almost disinterested in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's someone that's pretending to be human, but is not quite human. I don't think that they even do that on purpose. No, I, it's you almost can't like it's, do something it's like that on purpose. No, it's it's become like this subconscious just instinct of theirs. Like even like again, like you should watch them accept their Grammy. Like <laughs> it's like they it's just so them at this point. But it's just like I feel like there's so much mystery that like your brain like makes up a lot of things. Yeah, like that you're like like the way they move it's like oh it's so mysterious but it's like it's just that we we know so little about them it's it's that our brain fills in the gaps with anything that it can it's the strangest type of charisma because it's not charismatic in the sense of just tons of energy and you know very big uh boisterous movements it's it's this it's just this this peculiarity about the way they look the way they move i think you described it really well whenever it's like there's these monolithic beings that are sitting up at the top of this pyramid and everyone else in the entire crowd is losing their brain except for them but yep. they're the architects and they're disinterested they're just working and you look up at them and they're bobbing their head not not with more intensity than you though and they're just working and you're just like it's so good, but it's like they're just it's like another day for them and you can't see their face and so it just feels like this very metallic strange enjoyment that they have. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it was it's, it's like they're bobbing their head so they do enjoy it but it doesn't seem it's not it's they're not know. emphatically bobbing their heads. It's 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 almost just like a like the like, a, like you're in a car ride with them or like you're in an elevator and you're just like oh this is kind of a this is kind of a snappy little elevator jam yeah they never go out <laughs> they're so reserved it's so strange but it's so dope at the same time <laughs> yeah you I, you can't even really describe it you just have to see it and you're just like okay i get it okay i'll have to watch at some point it's it's like a it's literally like you're watching someone just messing with music up there and it's like they're in their own world like they're just looking down at their console and they're bobbing their head in their own way as they're just messing with it and they're disinterested in anything else in the entire room almost in the same way as they would maybe if they were in the studio and they're like they're listening back to the track and they're going oh yeah that's pretty cool what what you what you think guy manuel oh yeah i like that that's that's okay yeah Do you think? Oh, they by have, the way, like, we're in front of like thirty thousand people. Do you think they have like headsets in the helmets where they can just like talk to each other? Probably, because <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I doubt it. I bet they don't. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, because think about it; it'd be so easy to like put something in their helmet so you can communicate, and no one would ever know. And then it's like it streamlines the, because they, the whole mixing processes. Even live, it doesn't even look like they interact with each other very much. 
it just looks like exactly. they're, they're somehow in sync with each other, exactly. but they never look at each other. Exactly. But I think that they just do it. But that could be also the vibe. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe. But again, we'll we'll probably never know. There's there's so much that's just like who knows? Maybe maybe not. It's such a strange story. Like there's such a strange anomaly of music. Yeah. It's but just, the song, the song is good. Yes. <laughs> um. So robot rock. I have the again, like I said, when I do the ranked playlist, it's all based on the studio. I can't because they right. they pull so many tracks into it. I can't say like, oh well, because of the live version, I got to push this up, or it's just like a right. the stand as. The studio version. So I put Robot Rocket number twenty because. Wow. Are you saying that that's high or low? I feel like that's low. I mean, the I, I like I said, I feel like it it overstays its welcome on the studio version, but yeah. the ideas are so good that like like Grant was saying, that main line is like freaking awesome. Right. And I love when it does the breakdown when and it just goes the rock, robot rock, do 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 rock. Like it's just all the ideas are really solid. If it was like a minute and a half shorter, it would be a top ten song for sure. Remember, you gotta eat the whole sandwich. Yeah. Right. So um I mean obviously you've got the you've got the human after all there in the beginning which i put that song at number six because that song is dope from start to finish but they don't have it listed in the track title no they don't um oh yeah is actually like a song that is near the bottom for me on frank's playlist just because it's it's more of a sound experiment rather than a song yeah I think that I think that doing the uh, the bottom six is going to be really interesting because I have a feeling, Ethan, that you're going to kind of uh, re-educate me on how to listen to maybe some of these songs. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm coming from I like weird underground music that's mm-hmm. in this vein, so I probably also have a I'm partial to some of the weirder songs. Yeah. But yeah, because I mean, oh yeah, is pretty much just a beat and someone saying oh yeah every couple bars. So uh, it's too it's too far up there because I don't have numbers next to them for me to count it. But yeah, um, it is towards the towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. But those are the those are so far the only. Th- three songs I can pick up from this first track or usually originally I thought it was just two now I found out like in this research process that the human after all is just sitting right there in front of me the whole time I didn't even see it wow I'm still mad because it's like now I now I know it's there I can't believe I didn't notice it <laughs> well speaking of seeing things and having vision 
Oh, what a great segue. What a, what a reach. <laughs> well, that, was a, that was a real reach. Television about pulls the nation. Dislocated your shoulders on that one. Into the telecommunication network and rules the nation. That was what? nice. <laughs> I don't even know. What, I'm trying to make it work. It doesn't work. This is a song that the I... live version of it, like, puts the studio version to shame. Yeah, that's that's the freaking truth. This song on Alive is amazing sounding. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I and... remember this was the point when I was listening through Alive that, like, it, like, started to mess with my brain a little bit. That I was just like, oh, my God. It starts to literally be, like, you start to question yourself if all of these songs were meant to go together in the first place. Like, you're like, is this how the original was? Mm -hmm. No. Wait, Around the World is a different song, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I can't imagine ever hearing it without the television rules the nation since in it now you know and then i go back and listen and i'm like dang it or hearing it without that incredibly fat drum beat underneath it yeah because on the studio it's way slower and it's yeah. very empty sounding like like it's actually ranked fairly low despite how gr- like if it sounded like it did on live this would be another one that might be top 10 and whenever they break it down to just the yeah. and they get rid of everything, it's just like, oh my gosh. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's... yeah everybody's then, singing along. Yeah, and then you've, yeah, yeah, I have here in the crowd just going along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got uh, Crescendals that's also mixed in with it, which that song on Discovery is is pretty awesome as well. Um, I had that at uh, 24 on the ranked list. Okay. And so that the crescendos is when it goes into the bam bam ba dum bam ba dum bam ba dum yeah and mixing that with the with that propulsive beat of television rules a nation when it when it comes back it's stupid (laughs) (laughs) and whenever they go into crescendos it's just like what the heck and then like it takes you like four seconds and then you're like actually i'm here for this Mm -hmm. you're like you're like what happened and it's like oh i actually like this because it's such a left turn but it's also not Mm -hmm. grant that's what we're talking about with like how how is this also Daft Punk, but it is all it sounds so different, but it's also mm-hmm. so the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So where where did this song take you, Grant? I mean, so obviously Ethan uh, and I are kind of nerding out a little bit, but Well, no, that's okay. You can keep nerding out because I have literally, you know, no Because you're listening to the song right now, right? Well, I haven't listened to it, and I just actually got to the Crescendals part. Um so when that when that happened the first time i was really confused and it sounded like something that like the only context i could have for it is something that devin townsend would do like in the mm-hmm. real, in one of his like really weird early albums yeah right? um that's the only thing that i could say it's akin to of anything that i've ever heard because it was such a weird left turn um with such weird sounds behind it 
Um, and then, like Ethan said, it's like it all comes together, and it's like television rules the nation and crescendo bells at the same time, which actually is Dude, like that's a great moment. Blows your freaking mind. I know. <laughs> I know it does. That's what I'm, it's like. The primitive where it's just like technically from a producer standpoint there's too much going on but because your brain can like sort those two things out that they're happening at the same time it's like this amazing thing right right it's like is it too busy yeah but that's a part of it (laughs) but who cares right and the fact that like the television rules the nation and the around the world are two different voices and the around the world came in later i was like ooh, that's a nice little like subtle left turn to kind of make things sound a little bit more interesting. Um, and it's like, that line doesn't make sense, right? Television rules the nation around the world. That's like, logically, grammatically, what does that even mean, right? Um, but it's like, I don't care. because That's not the point of the song. <laughs> By this point, I figured out Daft Punk is not going to be exactly the the yeah. most uh, 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 lyrically consistent lyrically consistent band in the world yeah that's what that's what I'm trying to say they're not the biggest uh, wordsmiths but it's okay because it's like that's not the point of the song they do come up with some great phrases though yeah yeah and no I mean there's definitely a song in here that we're gonna talk about that has significantly more lyrics involved. And I think that that shows that they can do lyrics, assuming they wrote them. Um, So it's like, it's not for a lack of talent that they're not writing more lyrics. It's just, that's not what they're about. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good distinction to make, right? Because it's like, that's why a lot of people, or I've heard, that's why a lot of people really um, don't like rap music is because they're like, oh, if you can't sing, then you just rap. You know, all rappers are rappers because they can't sing, which may or may not be the case, but it's like, what if they don't want to sing or what if they can sing, they just want to rap more. Like um, uh, Dave from Boyna Band had a whole video about that because he was really mad about people saying, hey, people people don't rap because they can't sing. They rap because they want to rap and and daft punk writes songs with very little lyrics because it's like they just don't want to write songs with a whole bunch of lyrics all the time yeah they want to write they want to write music that you can dance to right it's not because they it's not because they can't at all um and so i think that's that's something that i also had to untrain my brain for even though i don't listen to lyrics i still had to untrain my brain to not want words all the time yeah, it's like you don't pay attention to lyrics, but you miss the lyrical content of the melody. Right. The, a lot of the instrumentals that I'll listen to, it'll either be like of a prog or metal or something artist, right? And so it'll be very familiar instruments to me, or it's like a very long instrumental section of a song that has lyrics. And so it kind of fits around that. I don't really listen to... Uh, anything that is super synth based and has no vocals, right? I listen to some kind of 80s synth based stuff, but there's still a lot of, um, I guess you could 
say real instruments um, in a lot of that 80s synth based stuff, but there's also vocals as well. And so that can kind of like tie everything into to my ear to make it sound very familiar. And so that's why it was really hard listening to a lot of this stuff is because it's just so unfamiliar. Just there's almost nothing that I could grab onto. It's, it's a whole unlearning experience. It's it good so for us to have every now and then. Oh, that's true. Because then I, I connect yeah. to this because I connect to like the most primal basic elements of songs, which is just what energy are they bringing to the table? And that's why I like Daft Punk, especially this song, like whenever the crescendals comes in, like I just get so excited. I'm just so excited. Every like I could listen to that for like 30 minutes probably if they just <laughs> did that over and over and over i would be like i'm fine i'm here i'm gonna stay here forever <laughs> yeah when the first like the haze came in i'm like what in the world is happening but now that i was now when i listen to it i'm like this is kind of cool this is like a good part and i and i'm waiting in anticipation for it to all come together mm-hmm. and whenever they whenever they that like uh disco like um, sample that they have going back into the big part like the they like start like looping the yeah they have like the string thing come in there man love it yep love it well let's move on to our next song which is around the world slash harder better faster stronger Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um Around the World was like their first hit. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the the song that put Daft Punk on the map. It was on that first mm-hmm. record. Um so this is it's one of their most well known songs and arguably Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger is like the big song off the second album. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like it's you're you're mashing these two songs that are like, you know, two of the biggest songs that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. The kick drum in this song is yeah, is a monstrous mm-hmm. kick drum, and the bass sounds so clean actually for like being <laughs> like both of it, like both the. I love the like in the intro how they phase that out, but once it breaks open, it's just it's very clean. Yeah, it's a very seventies disco baseline. Uh huh. I in fact I think I had seen that it's almost directly. I think it might be sampled from uh, "Good Times" by Chic, which. Great connection there because Sheik's guitarist was now Rogers. <laughs> Dang, everything connects. Yep. Um. So yeah, I I put around the world at number twenty seven. Mainly just oh, wow. mainly just because the studio version it has the same problem of as yeah. Robot Rock, where it just it it stays around too long without changing. And again. I think that, you know, if you were to put that on in, say, a dance club, it's perfect. For sitting down and listening to it, though, it does get a little bit exhaustive after a while. But it's still yeah. a great groove and a great hook. Mm-hmm. And you can't, 
Same with the jam bands. Whenever everybody in the audience is doing drugs, you can be on a song however long you want. Yeah, because the studio version of that song is like seven and a half minutes long. And it's pretty much doesn't change from that initial groove. Dude, whenever it goes into the down part, the harder, better, faster, stronger, and it does that because like, that's not in the original. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a, yeah, well, I mean, it is there, but it's not in that form. Yeah. Pretty much they're speeding up that um uh the that 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 intro line from yeah. Harder Better. Now Harder Better, Faster, Stronger, the studio version of that song is incredible. I I put it at number three. And I would say that it's I think it's the best song of the EDM Daft Punk those three albums. Yeah, it's pretty dang good. The two the two album the two songs above it on the rank playlist are from random access. Okay. But I mean, that's one that's it's it's a very fleshed out song, yet at the same time it's got so many cool things going on. Mm-hmm. Um this was another thing that I'm really embarrassed that it took me as long to notice it as it did but like the um it sounds like they're just spouting off random words but when you <laughs> but when you combine the two like you do the first word of the first one and the first word of the second one you put it together it actually forms a complete thought and i never noticed that it did that until like recently when i was doing the research and i listened i was just like oh my god i get it now That uh, that blew my mind a little bit. You mean the part that I'm listening to right now, Ethan? Are you listening to right now? It actually doesn't do it yeah. in the live version. You have to listen to the oh. studio version to pick up on it. Okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about the little ad libby things. Oh, when it, when he when he starts to really go crazy. Yeah, dude. That mm-hmm. that like that gets me every time because it's so good. it's just it's it it hits so many interesting musical places Mm -hmm. and this is this is like this is a point to where like the whole first half of the set builds to that emotional moment right there like that's a big release of energy and emotion Mm mm-hmm I actually have a really hilarious – so like I had said before I heard Alive, I just had these subliminal um, hearings of a lot of these songs. But I remember very specifically the, the, the one time that I had heard Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. I was with um, two of my good friends, Aaron Brown and Matt Edmond, and we were on our way to an Iron Maiden concert in Dallas. And we stayed the night at a hotel. And my friend Aaron had an app on his phone that allowed you to do remix versions of that song, Robot Rock and Technologic. Mm-hmm. And you could, like, it plays the the basic rhythm track, and you can press whatever words you want at different intervals and, like, make your own version of the song. And I remember, like, he was laying in bed, and 
he, that track was playing and he was he would play the first the butter bana dana bana and then he would like violently hip thrust during like the little bell hits and i remember <laughs> looking i was just like what the heck is this song and why are you doing this <laughs> and that's the only memory i had of the song and then I'm, when i got to this point in the album listening to it for the first time i was like oh, that's the song i remember that <laughs> Oh my lord! I can still visual. It's so. It was so weird, but so funny. Well, I'm glad you can remember. Yeah. Um. So, Grant, what was what was your reaction going through this song? Um. So obviously, I knew "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger" existed. I never actually heard the song, but I had always heard. Right, I told you about those two brothers who are huge Daft Punk fans. They would randomly go around just saying harder, better, faster, stronger, just randomly. And like, oh, it's a Daft Punk song. I'm like, okay. And then I would never listen to it, right? Um, and so I actually got to hear this song for the first time since I've known about it, which would have been, I mean, probably eight, nine, ten years at this point. So that's pretty interesting. Um, but, right, we started with Around the World. And that kind of threw me for a loop because I thought that we already were referencing Around the World in the previous song. But Which was kind of like intentional putting those two songs together because it was like we, got, we get introduced briefly right. to Around the World and then we get to see its actual development. Right. But it sounded very, like, different. Uh, and Ethan's right. It's like, it sounds like these songs were meant to all go together uh, because the transition from around the world to harder, better, better, faster, strong. It's like, there's nothing that repeats like after that transition that existed mm -hmm. before. Um, but it doesn't sound like a completely different song. It doesn't sound like they just ended one song and then started the next. It just sounds like the same song. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't lose anything. It's 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 insane, yeah, how seamless it all feels the whole time. So weird. Also, fun fact, the yeah, you guys do you guys listen to Kanye? No. So Kanye has a song off of his two thousand seven album Graduation called Stronger, where he sampled the harder, better, faster, stronger. I do for like the whole song. I think I remember reading that. And that and I mean it's a lot of plays on that song. Yep. That, that was a massive song. Mm -hmm. Big song for big big win for Daft Punk on the on him just being like, Can I sample this and give you songwriting credit on this? They're like, uh yes please. <laughs> and it's really good. That's a great Kanye song too. Yeah. I'm actually gonna send that in our group. And it's it's um Oh, I had something to say about Harder, Better, Press Run, but I forgot what it was. It's okay. Just so Grant can listen to it because he doesn't, he'll never listen to Kanye outside of a reference to Daft Punk, probably at this I, point. I just, We're not there yet. We're not there yet. It's okay. We'll get there. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, yep. There's my phone buzzing because you just sent it to us. <laughs> after hours. We'll save it for the after hours. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. We're going to have, we're going to have some interesting after hours because I still have to react to them dancing. Uh, yeah, no, it's it does sound continuous. Um, and I like the... This is another 
moment where I just really love the tone smithing on a good synth is that synth part for the hardy, better, faster, stronger. Like it keeps going for that whole section pretty much. And it doesn't get old. And the way that they have it mixed, it kind of like phases in and out of your ear. And it's like, Ooh, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds, it, it, it solidifies itself as like an instrument almost like an instrument, but almost like a backbeat. And yet it, yeah. it's in a part in the mix where it shouldn't be playing a supporting role. Welcome to EDM. It's very, EDM. It's very a, EDM trope. It's so midzy. It shouldn't be. Ah, and then when they do kind of the ad-libbing thing and the um, vocals are almost yeah. distorted, but they're not. Like they're peaking, but they're not distorted. But they're distorted, but they're not peaking. It's one of those. Yeah, it's like it's definitely distorted, right? Uh, but it's not. Uh, I guess like in your face, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds amazing, Grant. While, and it's also super minted. While we're midi. while we're live talking about the song, check out the uh, studio version of it. Okay, like right now. Yeah. Okay. Of harder, better, press stronger. Yeah, because it's it sounds way different, but it's I would say it's just about as awesome. Grant, let me know whenever you play it, and I'll play it at the same time. All right, I'm playing it. Well, you think I'm not gonna give me a three, two, one? Okay, fine, 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 fine. fine, fine. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Oh, and crescendo's right after it. Check it out. Oh, and we have we have some other ones that we're gonna talk about later in the set. Yeah. Oh yeah, with with this, I I had meant to do this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to I wanted to also guide you guys to the original so you can hear how much these songs have been transformed. Oh, this sounds completely different. This is completely different. But it's like it's I love it just as much as the live. It's in a very different way. Oh, this is this is. This is what it was like when I first started listening to Randy Rhodes, is because I, I listened the <laughs> heck out of that Randy Rhodes tribute album, and so I got used to all mm-hmm. the versions on there. And so, of course, they play "Flying High" again at like twenty BPM faster. And so, when I listened to the original version, I'm like, oh, this is gonna put me to sleep. This is exactly what's happening. Is it's like I'm not hearing the audience getting excited about everything. I'm not hearing the delay and yeah. reverb, just <laughs> ambient from the room. But imagine it the other way around. You're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, dang, this is good." And then you go over to the live version because that was my experience. Is I I had already like lived with this song for so long. I was just like, "Yeah, oh man, this is so good." And then it goes to the live version. And I'm just like, "Oh my okay, gosh." Yeah. Because I I do think that the live version is better in in terms of like the energy. Okay, I can but. see it. I can I can see the significance of alive. Because it's like yeah, this is good, but it's also it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's not supposed to. It's just dancey, just a little dance track. Oh yeah, until it gets like to the two minute. Yeah, and then awesome. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm done. That's what I'm saying. Usually, Daft Punk studio songs don't go there, and that's why I like the studio version of this song so much. 
is that it does go somewhere really cool. Hmm. Took me 10 years to find this song. But I finally <laughs> did. This is this is one of those things that you only get on the Good Music Podcast. Wow. That's right. Okay, well. Oh, wait, no, there's a whole other section now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like 240. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking dope, uh, too. Yeah, and he's doing the weird staccato singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that part on the studio version is so mm-hmm. nice. Okay, I'm actually liking this one. Yeah, it's a great song. You said you ranked this third or third. Second? And it's just this is this is just iconic. This is about as iconic of a Daft Punk song as you can find. Yeah. Like I feel like harder, better, faster, stronger, just as a phrase, has kind of become just like pop culture. Like, I feel like there's people that say it and don't really know that that's what it's from. It's just like a thing that people say. Yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the next song. This is another one where I want uh, Grant to hear the original because it's it's night and day different. Yeah. I would say maybe this one has been transformed the most of all songs that we hear. I actually don't know if I like the face to face off of Alive better than I like the original face to face because they they did so much to mm-hmm. it. Um, what I found really interesting is that harder, better, faster, stronger makes a return on here. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I never realized it until research. Yeah, in the back, just creeping back mm-hmm. there, just having that um that da da work is never over. Uh, I just again I thought it was all just sound effects. I didn't realize it was like a voice saying something. Grant, did you notice the harder, better, faster, stronger in the back of this beginning of face to face? Not just in the beginning, but throughout pretty much oh, until no. it gets to the short circuit section. Oh, that's what that is? I thought it was just a synth. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yep. Yes, that? I, that was actually one of the things that got stuck in my head. I was just sitting around you know, one morning, I just woke up, and I had this melody stuck in my head, and it was that synth melody. I'm like, where have I heard that? It's so clear. And then I was listening later that day to this set, and I'm like, oh, that's where it's from. So, it's like, this was the one that got stuck in my head unexpectedly. And that mm-hmm. would be the part of the song that I usually listen to, obviously, because like we have a significant amount of vocals here and so my ears gonna go straight to that because that's the new thing mm-hmm. yeah just the way the way that it just like starts off really slow and then just moves i love the way that also again that that harder better just starts to slowly speed up and then when he just he keeps looping that face to face and then it stalls yeah yeah and it hits it's you. like it's like that one Meshuggah song that we talked about where it's like from silence and then up and up and it's about 50% and then it just jumps to 100. It's kind of like that with the tempo here. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in Death is Well, death. no. Um, it was on the worst uh, playlist. It was one of the worst songs. Um, can't remember oh. which. Oh, on. No, it wasn't Obsidian. 
Oh no, um Aztec nope. two seven. <laughs> no, let me let me find, oh. let me find it. It was <laughs> well. the it was um it was transfiction. Where where it fades oh, in yeah. and then it's all of a sudden super loud. It's kinda like that, but they do it here with tempo, and I thought that was a good decision. That's a callback to the uh, ancient music podcast, tempo. building tension with oh, uh, tempo. Well, there is something mm-hmm. primal you said about uh, EDM. It's, I mean, no joke. It's like literally they started. Grant, I'm so excited for you to hear the original face to face. I forget to talk about this because it is so freaking different. Like, it is astonishing. I remember I, I went to listen to it and I was like, I was convinced that it was the wrong song. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, this isn't face to face. What the but, heck is this? I like Grant, that goes back to we were saying, like, every album is so different. You know, it's like even like the, the live version that you hear now, and you're like, oh, that's so EDM. And then you go to, the, to hear the original face to face, you're just going to be like, what? But it's also going to be like, yeah, I know it's the same band, but holy crap. Yeah. Guys, whenever whenever they get to the... And they loop that part. There's something that happens in my heart that I can't describe to you. That makes me so happy. In that one very short, very minory part of that loop. And then they just go back into it like nothing ever happened. What's going on? Could this be my understanding? It's not your fault. I was being too demanding. Mm-hmm. That was a great mm-hmm. Man. I don't even know what the lyrics are about, but I like them. I think it's just about a... I, I don't think yeah. it's meant to be really deep, but it's it's got a little more complexity to the words they're using. Um, I think that it's... Uh, just about a relationship about um, a couple confronting their problems mm-hmm. and not avoid them. Yeah, uh, it's amazing yeah. what you'll find face to face. That's true. And then it, it suddenly does that switch to short circuit, which really, yeah, which I love that. That was I love one that, that threw change. me for a loop because the that second kick was slightly off, and I could never figure it out. Do go do go. Because it's like that was yeah. so for for pretty much the entire set at this point being four on the floor, that was different. That was like what? And then they hit those that real minory chord section with that really just lo-fi synth. I'm like, oh, that's the good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. That is the good stuff. That's why. I'm on this podcast for moments like that, where it's just like, you don't expect that. It's like not a big grandiose moment. It's not like the Octavarium realization. The crowd's eating it up, But it's just kind of like, ah, it's just the little things, you know? It's almost, it's just, it's it's relaxing in a way. And you can imagine the two of them just, they change into that song, and it's such a big momentum shift, but their demeanor does not change at all. (laughs) They're just still just working. They're just working. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed for them. So, so Grant, now go look okay. up the studio version face to face. Just okay. Wait. Give me a countdown, bro. Face to face. Give me a countdown. It's, on it's off of the same deal, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's on hard. Is it right? Yeah. Oh, oh stay safe. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Okay. 
I freaking love this song it's, though. I put it. It's, I put it. It's, it's, I put it number eight on the on the ranked. This is not the same song. I know, and the thing is, is it does that for like almost two minutes before it goes into the first verse. Like I, it's so like that's what remember what I was saying about like they somehow do techno but also have seventies guitar parts in their songs. This is the exact. It almost sounds like someone chopped up some Michael Jackson songs and put them together. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially that first mm-hmm. drum yeah. beat. I'm like, oh, I'm getting real strong Billie Jean vibes for some reason. Maybe because of the way it was mixed. I don't know, but. This, I feel like this song was a big indicator that of and random access memories. I feel like yeah. this song would not have been very out of place on that album. No, it wouldn't have. Like, cause you could, this is, this is when you hear the song, you could, you can, if you knew this song existed, you weren't surprised by what you hear on random. Memories. It's yeah. kind of like, cause you knew that they always had this in them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I've gotten to the lyrics now. So, Oh, that, 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 uh-huh. it's so cool, man. Yeah, it's yeah. totally different. But just makes it, again, so much more impressive that they, that they were able to so fundamentally rework the song for that, oh, for the live setting. so well in both contexts. Like, I know, and you could. This is a song where you can just like crank this in your car and just be like, "Yes," and just like, I don't care that they repeat the sections over and over. I want them to do it. <laughs> so, like it's it does you. This is a song where if it was seven minutes long, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If it just <laughs> if it never changed and just because those that that those instrumental parts are so well written and sound so mm-hmm. good. Wow. We now wait, go wait, back wait. to the other face-to-face this, short circuit. That, this this <laughs> 2001 <laughs> Daft Life, is that their own like record deal-ness? Daft Life. No, that had to just been because it's to the Parlophone Records Limited. Okay. It's just the little, the little notes on um, Spotify. And there's like a weird chorusy thing happen here like compositional not um not effect wise that we don't get in the live version okay i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna go to the live one and skip into it okay it's like I don't know. I it's so the same, but it's so just like it's so awesome to hear such a reimagining of the song. I kind of like version. the live version like a lot more. Maybe. Well, see, here's the thing. I have the live version. He is hard. So... I like them both. It's just like, dude, after hearing face to face first, and then you go and hear it with this, I. 
it's not that I like the live version less. It's just there's something about hearing face-to-face with harder, better, faster, stronger in a different context where it's just like, ah, like, wow, that's so good. I credit it more to Daft Punk's live chops than I do that the song live is better, yeah. you know? Again, it's they're, they're getting stuck. It's not even the same song. They're getting so insane with the arrangement now at this point that it's just it's it's creating it's really just harder better faster stronger with face-to-face lyrics over yeah at this point because <laughs> you don't have the boom to go like you have none of that like i just i can't even think of wh- how they got the idea to do that this would be like you know what let's do facebook face but take away everything and put harder better faster stronger underneath it and then we're gonna slow it way down and make it into this really weird ambient jam. Like, what a bizarre concept. They probably started with the hotter, better, faster, stronger thing. Yeah. And then they were like, man, what can we mix with this? And then they're like, oh, what if we did face-to-face? And then they probably tried to combine, and they're like, oh, the instruments don't work. Just use the vocals. That's awesome. Keep it. Yeah. I'm, I bet that process of coming up with all these arrangements must be mm-hmm. so much fun. Dude, imagine being in the room. Imagine what we we don't get to hear that they came up with for the show. Oh, God. The stuff that they had to cut. Oh, man. But yeah, the short circuit part, I don't feel like we've spent enough time. On I mean, because the there's not that part. much time in the, sh- it is in the uh, song anyway. It's You're right, but man. I just don't want to skip over it. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that originally when I listened through, that was the part of the song that really like caught my ear. Where I was just like, "Oh, that's really different." Mm-hmm. And, oh, and then they're like eight bit fuzzy. Yeah, it, it it gets keeps getting more um, distorted and fuzzed out. It feels like it's just fading. And disintegrating at the same, like it's it's moving away and disintegrating at the same time. And it exactly. and it disintegrates mm. into our next song. Yes, it disintegrates into defunct. Oh, Woo. that was a good. One. That was a good one. Defunct. I'll give you. That this one. was another one of their original hits. I freaking love the original of, of both of these songs. Yes. It's hard for me to hear them apart, though. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. both of these songs are like these songs are now the same song. Whenever I go listen to Defunct, I wish that uh, Daft and Direct was in it, you know. But it's yeah, um, Defunct is number ten on my playlist because that's it's. I think it's the best song on Homework. Oh, okay. So this is a Homework song. Ooh. Yeah, this is this is OG, and so is Daft and Direct. In fact, Daft and Direct is the first song on the first album. It's the first. Del- Did I? There's something visceral about Daft and Direct. Whenever that guy's voice uh-huh. comes in again, it's it's like so primal. Yeah, it's just it has. This, I don't know how to describe it. It's dude. like it's it's kind of haunting but welcoming at the same time. Like there's there's a little yeah. bit unsettling about it, but it it draws you in. Yeah, it's like be, it's like become one of us. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And ha, 
Yeah. Oh, you just started seeing it at the same time my like Spotify was playing it. Yeah. Ridiculous. Maybe arrangement to like have the kick in and then just take mm-hmm. it out and just be like, you know what, we're just gonna we 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 tease you a little bit. And now we're gonna take it out and then it's like well, now we're just gonna bring it in like three times louder than it was at the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, these and, and you can imagine that the crowd is going freaking ballistic. Yeah, this is but again, like they're just up there working. You look up to them, they don't This care. is this is kind of like the um this is the this is the retro part of the show because it's like they're taking two of their oldest, most classic songs and just put giving a, a spotlight just to highlight boom boom the song. Like they're not mixing it with any of the newer songs. It's just like this is just a slab of like as old classic Daft Punk as you can get. Dude, I love everyone's just like, hey, <laughs> hey, like on the upbeats. Is that a is that a voice? I feel like that's really low, right there. That's a little yeah, crazy. yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the Daft and Direct. That's what you'll hear in Daft and Direct whenever. Gosh, their parts are so good. It's, it's kind of OP that they mix all these songs together. Honestly, it's it, a little bit too much sometimes, points, but in a good like, way. Okay, so I just got to that um, like synthy part, that super synthy part right after the voice. It kind of is like crescendos, yeah. where it's like, oh, that makes no sense, and you have to wait until everything come, like everything else. Yeah, it's like they show it to you, and you're like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then they fit well, it in the right like, place, and you're just like, "Oh, it's amazing, fits, actually." And you know it fits, but they're gonna make you wait for it, you know. So, so your your ear is just like, "Come on, <laughs> yeah. to the rest of the song, right?" Right, because it's like everything cuts out, everything familiar cuts out, and then it's just this weird synth line is happening. So it sounds really jarring if you're not knowing what's happening. It almost sounds like they're gonna go do a different song, but then they don't, right? man and they bring that massive kick back every time they bring that massive kick sound in it, it just like somehow ties everything together even more on the floor baby that's how it works dude we're on the floor baby yeah 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 all right this this song is kind of a i think it's more primal than the other songs yeah because this one this one doesn't go as much through like sections this is just like a pure dance jam and and you can hear the crowd singing that like way behind it like the crowd is just eating eating that yeah this is this is the song that uh, i would say the most of all the ones that you just kind of like lose yourself to and you just you let the music just kind of take you to that other place. There you go. All right. So I mean, because of that, it doesn't give us as much to talk about. But yeah, I would say it doesn't make it a weaker track. It's just it's very different than the ones where we've got all these really complex oh, yeah. arrangements going in. This just a very pure slab of just like 
here you guys go. Dance mm-hmm. your heart out. But I think it also sets us up for our yeah. big finale with prime time of Prime your life. time. The vocoder is. Can we talk about where is off um, the chart and Defunct are on the ranked? Uh, I, I had Defunct at number 10. Um, I had Daft and Direct around number 30. Oh, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. If you listen to the original, it's it's very minimal. Yeah. Super minimalistic. Uh-huh. And and Daft and Direct is not very long either. It's just it's kind of it it, it goes in the uh-huh. track. It's, it's meant to it's almost almost like a prologue track. And really defunct is kind of like when homework really begins. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we yeah, we've got our final big moment here where we've got um, uh, prime time of your life um, brainwasher and um, I think it was uh, rolling and scratching yeah which that is a song that spoiler spoilers is gonna probably be talked about in our uh, on our worst songs just because when you listen to that track by itself, pretty much it's just that 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 screeching that yeah. Oh, in this yeah. context, it's oh, yeah. like a war nerve kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of like they go yeah. up, up the scale it's, and then yeah. it finally drops. It's like it goes way up. And like, oh yeah, yeah, and and, and then brainwash. Primal it's nasty. Like yeah. lemon face music. We forgot. We forgot to talk about yeah, how that... Steam Machine was in Around the World. I just realized that. Oh yeah. Anyway, I forgot yeah, to bring three that songs up. ago. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. It is very primal. Right? Yeah. And then yeah, that brainwasher groove, just relentless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish I was at this show so it's bad. It's almost metal in the way that it assaults you. <laughs> like if you were to play that line with like a metal guitar, like that would be brutal. I haven't listened to it in that light yet, so I think I'm. How how far away is it in the in the set, like in the song? Sorry. Like what the mark really? Um, I, I think I think it's around okay, like the so four I gotta, minute I still mark, like a minute and a half. Okay. Because yeah, because you've got the long build up, and it's pretty much it's when that build ends and it and the beat drops. That's the brainwasher, uh, mm-hmm. uh, line. I'm I just hit three. Minutes. Where are you at, Grant? All right, cool, cool, cool. Okay, All right, okay. I'm exactly where you are. I'm kind of hyped. Again, there's something so primal about that. Like, it lets you know that something then... huge is about to hit you, and then you slowly start yeah. to hear that. <laughs> <I am laughs> <the brother>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of this sounds so retro, like Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. He's just, I don't know. 
It's like anyone who's into synthwave or synth stuff, I feel like has to love Daft Punk by default. Yeah. And I just, I feel like they were really good at not dating themselves. This The thing that I was kind of really looking at is that, like, they never, they always set the trend. But as soon as they set the trend, they moved on to the next trend, to setting the next trend. They never got caught up. And I feel like stuff with, like, dubstep, it got... It got so big, but at the same time, so overplayed so quickly. Like once, once dubstep kind of like came out, like everyone started to do it, and it just like completely oversaturated everything. Like I remember, yeah. I remember when when I heard Muse start to use dubstep, I was just like, okay, this genre is dead now. <laughs> it has it's it is no longer useful. But like Daft Punk never, and it's the reason why like all of their songs sound real, is that they weren't really in like capturing a sound, like sticking with it. And because of that, I feel like when you listen to their stuff, it doesn't feel uh, like it's from a specific time. It's the way, it's the reason why you can listen to it and go, well, that could be the 70s, maybe. Or, oh, but that could also be modern. You kind of can't really pinpoint where it is. Yeah. Like, when you listen to, like, say, dubstep, you immediately know that's late 2000s, early 2010s. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just the sound of it is, it's, it's dated itself. Yeah. In, in a weird way, it's like My uh, Chemical Romance. Like, it's very particularly a genre that definitely had its heyday. Mm-hmm. But, Where, yeah, you like. I think that Daft Punk is the only electronic EDM band I've or group that I've ever come across that doesn't feel tied to a specific sound from mm-hmm. a specific time. They pulled from everything, and they also started so much. Yeah, it's like what time Daft Punk released something. Everyone else was very quick to copy everything that they were doing. It sounds like, I mean, definitely because they formed 93 and 97 was their first album, right? It sounds like that was before this whole movement really was big. Oh, yeah. They really helped put that entire genre into the mainstream. But it existed beforehand. It did. And, and there were some under... Someone like uh, like Giorgio Moroder, he'd been around since the seventies, and was kind of the father of electronic music. But he was never he never like was big on you know pop radio. He was very much more of like a it's like this weird subgenre over that was yes very influential, but he himself was not getting hits on the charts, not in the way that Daft Punk would. Okay, now we just got to this part in the song where it's like this weird slapback delayed synth. Ethan, you're right there. Which song is that? Yep. That sounds really good. Or whatever it is. I'm trying to think what part that is. Yeah, that part. It's like I don't know. It sounds super um, 
uh, Terminator. Is it Alive? I don't remember. I don't, oh, you know what? I think it is. I think Alive is on this track as well. Which is also... Alive is a song? Yep. In the last song on the album, I think. No. Or no. It's, yeah. No, they do the funk. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's the last song on it's it's the second to last song on homework before the weird ending. Yeah, where they it's like the please go listen to our album song. Hmm. Wait, why did they have that song there? Because you just listened to the album. I think it's meta. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So. I I felt like that this song was a big finale and that it, especially when you get towards the end and the prime time starts to come back in, it definitely feels mm-hmm. like you're, you've reached the end of a long journey. And it's, and it's the crazy thing is that in the show, the song that comes next is defunct daft and direct. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's so weird. It's like there's a whole set of lore that I just don't even know how to contextualize. Mm-hmm. This is a side of music that I didn't even want to think about before this. I I will say, I remember talking to you like around... Like yeah, November it, it was last like year, five or six months ago, I feel like. Yeah, I was saying, man, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do a Daft Punk episode soon, and you like kind of had a very I strong did. negative reaction. I did. You were like, if I'm gonna hate I'm like, that, I'm episode. like, I already know I'm not gonna like that episode. Here we are, and I, I swore to you, I said, trust me, I will. You will like it, <laughs> and. We'll get to we'll we'll explore more of that with final thoughts. I just I thought of that. I was like, oh yeah, I remember Grant reacting strongly against. I, here's the thing. Sometimes I don't know whether or not to trust your judgment about other genres because you tend to like a lot of different things that I that I don't like. I do, um, and so I'm like. Oh, Daft Punk. I know I'm not going to like it because I, in my mind, like they had written a lot of these um, pop songs that um, were covered all over, um, like Tulsa cover bands would do them. Uh, That was just my understanding of Daft Punk. Like that was my first reaction was like, oh, it's just going to be a whole bunch of Tulsa cover songs. And I'm not going to enjoy that. Um, And then, of course, when they split up, I heard a lot of people who were very big into a lot of different genres, right? Um, One of my friends was just talking about how he picked up Court of the Crimson King for like 30 bucks, the vinyl version. And he was so excited about that. And then he was also talking about how he's sad that Daft Punk is broken up and I'm like you listen to Jethro Tull and King Crimson and Daft Punk and I'm like hmm maybe it's like 
there's a serious consideration that should be given there or to death. And then you announced this episode. I, I think Daft Punk it's like they transcend their genre. There's a couple of bands where they just like, like I, yeah. I would put Metallica even in this mm-hmm. category where it's like they're so they're so much larger than their own yeah. genre where they transcend. Like same with like Led oh, Zeppelin. Yeah. Same with Stevie Wonder. Like a lot of these people where it's just like like if you said, yeah, Stevie Wonder, he's like soul funk. And and it's like, but do you listen to him? Well, yeah, I, he's great. It's like, do you listen to any other soul funk That's music? True. Well, no, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> like like they're just so big. And I feel like Daft Punk is is in this same category where it's like you might not listen you might not even know anyone else that would be in this EDM category, but you're gonna freaking know about Daft Punk. Like they have they have left the genre like under them almost. Like they're it's hard to even well, say that they're techno, you know. And there's like, a lot of those bands their own that genre. are the biggest in their genre, they're like household names. Right? It's like everybody knows the name Stevie Wonder. Kind of like how everybody knows the name Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. but they may not have seen a single X Men or Wolverine or even superhero movie. It's kind of like that. It's like I I knew that the two words Daft Punk should go together at the very least, and that's all, right? So I I am I was the base level consumer of of music before this episode, really. So, but I still knew right. those words go together, though. So. I'm excited for doing a volume. This is going to be like a reverse volume too, where like our first thing is their live stuff. And then we'll get into their random access, like random access memories, dude It is you're probably going to go. I will (laughs) listen to it even before that, but like, it is so clean and good and different than anything that you have heard today somehow still Ethan has this ability to know exactly what i'm thinking right before we go to final thoughts yeah you did that with <laughs> uh with uh i think it was dire straits no it was mashuga you're like oh grant's definitely gonna go listen to all of mashuga in chronological order and that's right what i was thinking right at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh do you guys have anything else to say about this final song here. It's good. No, Go man. listen to it, guys. All right. I, I I do. I wish that one time was into the um. Oh crap! I don't even remember what song it goes into. Oh. The oh, one more there, time there, in there, aerodynamic. There, there, there. I know. Yeah. God. I I missed, I missed it. Well, I probably would have replaced it with primetime of your life maybe not in, in the order of the set but dang, i missed it too missed it, it was it was literally the hardest decision to make but it just it the way it ended it hurt where i could put it yeah because yep. it just it just cuts to the next song without any dynamic change and it's just it's too sudden and that's the other thing, Grant. If you can go and listen to a live 2007, the the show never stops. It, it like literally, it's like there's times whenever it's like 
the song really is like 20 minutes long and they just keep adding different things and taking out other things. And they just had to make it a different track okay. just to make it a different track. I kind of like this though. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take another break here. When we come back, we're going to give our Daft Punk final thoughts. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our six songs set from Daft Punk, Alive 2007, um, this week. Uh, our songs were, and again, if you listened back to the the episode, and if you go listen to the playlist, which you should, uh, all these songs are, are mashups, and so I'm just going to say uh, one song from them, but... Um, go back and listen to it and you'll understand uh you'll, your mind will be opened to understanding uh but we had robot rock television rules the nation around the world face to face defunct and ending with the prime time of your life brainwasher um <laughs> episodic the big uh, <laughs> the big the big the big daddy of the set and now it's time for final thoughts and if you've uh, stuck around this entire time uh at the beginning of the episode, we talk about first thoughts. We give our ranking, how we heard about them. But now um, that we have context and we've listened to the set together, um, context just helps so much. And so uh, final thoughts is just we give it a new ranking and we talk about how our opinions have changed about the genre or the band or just really we kind of just, you know, we just talk. So Grant, final thoughts, go. I... I'm so glad you used the term context because I was actually going to talk about that. I found, I found myself throughout this episode being completely tongue-tied, knowing what idea I wanted to convey but not having a way to do it because it's just a completely different way of thinking about music um, than I'm used to. And it's like that, I guess, is okay. Um to open yourself to something that's completely different. I think it's actually good. I should say that. It's good to open yourself to something completely different. That's the whole point of the podcast, right? And if I if I determined, you know, theoretically, if I determined that I didn't like it, I could never listen to Daft Punk ever again. But if I found out that I loved it, then that's all the better. So I'm really, I'm, I'm losing nothing but a little bit of my time. And in my opinion, it paid off. Because I loved learning in the first section all about, like, their mysterious nature. Like, that was so – like, I didn't even really learn that much of anything. I just learned that I know about as much as everybody else, which was yeah. kind of interesting. Um, like, that was, just a, that was just a whole fascinating segment, just being able to ask questions. Because we've done um, some artists recently that I felt like I – understood at the very least the genre they were coming from or the the time period they were coming from and of course here i had no idea what was happening right um so it was just that level of fascination was really good to have um and the primal nature of the songs right we keep talking about that it was just it's completely completely different i have to unlearn what i think about music every time i jump to a crazy genre right 
that's why I loved listening to um, Everywhere at the End of Time because it's like that was super avant-garde and it made you be like, okay, so what makes this music or not music or whatever, right? And then, you know, comparatively, this asks the question to me, like, what makes this good or bad to me? And in, in my opinion, like, this is good stuff. Like, this is objectively good music, right? But I'm not going to, if I'm honest, right, I'm not going to go out and choose to listen to Daft Punk. I appreciate them for what they are. I super respect the whole, you know, we're going to wear the robot uh, costumes because that's our thing and we want to keep our um, private lives private, which is great. It's like because they're one of the biggest bands, you know, of our time. So it's like you definitely have to have that, that uh, I guess, work-life balance, so to speak, right? And the whole fascination, the whole lore about everything is just, ah, it's just so cool. I can't keep them at a five. I have to move them up. And, but I haven't listened to enough, you know, for me to comprehensively say, okay, I'm a Daft Punk mm -hmm. fan. I don't even know if I'm technically an appreciator yet. Um, so I'd have to put them at a six. But I am, I will say this, I am really curious to listen to all the stuff that's on um, random, random Access Memories. I think that that would change my mind. And that might turn me into like a normie fan. You know, having <laughs> that, that be the album that I like from is, then. Is normie fan a seven? <laughs> is that the new terminology? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think that's determined by the, the fandom, right? It's kind of kind of like saying you're a metallica fan i think that's, that's a good that. ranking seven is like i'm a normie fan well <laughs> it's like it's like saying uh you're a metallica fan because you love every song on the black album yeah that's it's seven like, yeah it's like okay yeah you like you like every song off of their biggest <laughs> album right yeah normie fan i feel like that's a good place to put it six is yeah. i don't really care but i respect them you know <laughs> right so i if it, if I recognize that it's a Daft Punk song, I'll kind of, you know, in the future, I'll kind of be like, oh, hey, that's a Daft Punk song. Check yeah, it out. I like I know who they are. Robot guys, yeah. right? But I'm not going to necessarily go out of my way to listen to yep. Daft Punk, except for my own little personal adventure that I'm about to take into Random Access Memories. Yeah. Which I'm excited for. So um, I, I think that warrants a six. I, I would encourage anybody who is still on the fence to do that with me and we can just kind of take that little musical journey together separately. <laughs> okay, that's that's my final thought. Is that I'm, I'm at a six. Oh, and my favorite song. It has to be face to face because Oh ooh, because I, wish, I wish I think we should in the future we should try to guess their the favorite song because it's just ah oh, the synth line and then figuring out that that was actually harder better faster stronger and then also the way that the the vocals played into everything yeah and um, the short circuit part is really good it's like that's so that's such a cop in to say oh it's the song with the words that i like but yeah. it genuinely <laughs> is yeah it genuinely is my favorite if it weren't for that one it would have to be See, this is another normie answer. It'd have to be around the world and harder, better, faster, stronger. But 
there's just something you know it's i'm gonna be unapologetic right face to face is my favorite okay i'm gonna go with what i like that's what i like harder better faster is the primal answer it's It's the the one that makes you just feel the most i feel like that's defunct oh that's really good too i mean they're all so good (laughs) i mean they all have that 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 philosophy behind them it's that's why it's so hard to analyze i feel like face to face was the easiest one to analyze and so my brain could wrap around it and then that's why i liked it better maybe if i had to if i had to psychoanalyze myself that's probably what i would say but i just for whatever reason doesn't really matter what reason i guess it's just that one is my favorite yep i would say i have moved from an eight to a nine i I have forgotten. I have, I have forgotten how much I loved them and their old stuff specifically. And so, because I've I've been jamming on Random Access Memories for a long freaking time, because it's just good. It's like it's one of those albums that's like the whole album is like in in like a rotation on my playlists, you know. But none of the old stuff was, and I would occasionally go back and be like, oh yeah, Alive two thousand seven is really good, you know. Um. Like, literally, whenever Lucas said, we're going to do a Daft Punk episode, I was like, you have to do a live 2007. He's like, of course I'm going to be doing a live 2007. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like, uh, the first thing I was just like, please just start it on a live episode, because a live 2007 is one of the best live albums I've ever heard. And we did, and so I'm so happy. Thank you, Lucas. And the set was amazing. But yeah, I'm moving myself from an 8 to a 9. Um... I don't really have a lot to say. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, they're just so good. It's just so good. And this is very much within my, um, my genre wheelhouse, I guess I would say. This very much fits and kind of re, rediscovering them uh, with more context has just solidified them even stronger into, um, into, you know, the top echelon and so eight to nine and i'm i am putting my favorite song as uh television rules the nation Uh, that's what i would have picked for it it is freaking i mean i kind of gave it away i said i could literally listen to that one part of the song for 30 minutes i didn't say that about I would say Defunk is probably my number two, with Face to Face being my number three. And those are close. Those are so close. And Around the World and Robot Rock are also kind of really close, but under. And then, gosh, prime, the, I would say the prime time of your life, since part on, on prime time of your life, is the best part of that end song. And then the I, I feel like they stay on brainwasher for a really long freaking time a little bit longer than i would like but it's still really good and visceral and if if you we were there in live context again like we would be dancing and it wouldn't matter that just that that caught the over analytical part of my brain and made it the weakest but it's not by a lot by no stretch is it a bad song um but yeah the television rules the nation is I think it's very it's the most clever in my opinion but the those are my final thoughts they're amazing I'm very sad that we don't get another album from them and I'm sad that I never got to see them live I know 
is one of those bands where I'm just like, gosh, dang it, they were alive, and I missed it. You know, <laughs> I was. They stupid. were alive, 2007. I would, I, I would have had to have gone and seen them in like the seventh grade, the sixth and seventh grade to and make. Paul, I, I'm pretty sure that was like mainly a European tour. Uh, oh yeah, there's a question, right? They're French. Why are yeah. most of their songs in uh, in uh, English? Because that's the popular language of the world. Okay, that answers that question. Why so many uh, European metal bands all sing in English? Well, but you also have those that don't. Yeah, but that's a very small minority. Huh. Um. Okay, so for me, I started at a nine. I'm still at a nine. Like, I would say, like, it's like at this point, we might as well even go like to a 20 scale if we're going to start getting into halves. <laughs> halves make sense, man. Yeah, no, like, I'm at a nine like, and a half. half. Because um, before this episode, I had never listened to the first three albums. I was mainly like very strongly raised on alive and random access and that was like before you said before doing this the research you had never listened to the first three ever nope i had heard i had heard songs off like i had heard the yeah but you'd never but there was a lot of stuff that i had never heard before and listening to it all really gave me a brand new context on alive because i was now able to pinpoint so much of what was going on and so i really understood the genius of alive so much more after doing this episode because i was kind of like i was i was able to identify so many more of the parts mm-hmm. go oh okay that's where like i would be listening and i was just like wait a minute i know that that's the little guitar part in technologic or um you know, oh, that's a, that's what too long sounds like um, when he keeps don't move over and over again, and just all these different little things. And so, um, I've grown in my appreciation for Alive, just learning a lot more about the first three records, as well as it really paints Random Access in such a new light because of just how big of a leap forward it is to go even from a live to random access is such a startling jump. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not organic yet at the same time, it is a culmination. And I just, I have to admire it. Well, as you know, there's so much nostalgia now, especially the fact that they are gone uh, it's, it's kind of like you now know that you're looking at a complete geography and it's kind of you can listen to it with that perspective now. You're not listening to it go, I wonder when the new Daft Punk album is going to come out. You're listening to it going, this, this is it. This is what we have. What if they unsplit apart? I would lose my freaking mind. <laughs> I would too, but I would kind of be disappointed if they did. What do you mean? Because I feel like it would kind of go against what they're about, especially the way that they ended. It's like, I feel like it would cheapen. And that's something that it feels like Daft Punk can't do. They can't cheapen themselves. It's true. 
it kind of it it removed a little bit of the of the mystery. They they completed the lore. They have to uncomplete like adding three new Star Wars movies. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> My favorite song. What do you think it is, Ethan? Hold on, I gotta. I bet it's either Around the World or Prime Time of Your Life. I'm leaning towards Prime Time. Oh, gosh. Because you like longer songs, and that's by and large the longest song. Hmm. That's literally my only reasoning. Because <laughs> it's long. It's it's long. Are, are, is it a is it a for sure front runner, Lucas? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I, I kind of want to peg you as a robot rock guy. Oh, nah. Maybe I don't know. How it, would I know? It's. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Oh, I was right. close. I was really close. The normie answer. The normie answer. <laughs> that just... I actually find that when it hits that big climax in that, that I kind of get choked up a little bit because it just... It's so powerful. At which part? When when uh, when it starts getting into the vocal staccato and it just really ramps up to that final level of that song. Oh, dude, yeah. I find that it just, it, on an emotional level, it resonates with me the most. And also, I headbang pretty hard to it. What about Harry's pick? Okay, so yeah, Harry's pick. For those of you guys that don't know, um, whenever I'm researching and listening through my set, and he's like my he's like my play tester. I kind mm-hmm. of like I when I when I get the set put together, I put it through him and and see if he likes it. Um, my four-year-old son, Harry, got hardcore into Daft Punk. (laughs) Whole age of robots and music, like, just, like, it, it, it captured that imagination for him. Yeah. He thought that was the coolest thing ever. We watched so many music videos. We watched, we watched so many live clips and he just he kept asking who's singing this one is that silver or gold you're like we don't know well i <laughs> I, I told him like i pretended i knew yeah um he was a robot rock fan ah uh, i mean i can understand it's great yeah it's got a good lead line uh-huh but he was also a he loved uh, One More Time, which is not on our set, but whenever I was still trying to make it work, I still let him listen to that one a bunch. Mm-hmm. And he loves the, like, the, that intro line of the ba da da He mm-hmm. just go, look, Daddy, they're playing the keyboards really fast! It's <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. And he also loved a lot of the stuff on Random Access Memories because he would also hear my set whenever I kept flip-flopping on that. Yep. He listened to quite a bit of it. So how many songs of Daft Punk did he get on the iPad? Uh, he got like seven or eight of them. Oh, he also really liked uh, Primetime. 
dude, bro. It's good. So, yeah. So yeah. Oh, uh, what was the number one ranked song? Uh, number one, I put Giorgio by Marauder. Whoa, I was not expecting that. Giorgio by Marauder is just, to me, that's like a perfect Daft Punk song. It's got, it's such a bizarre concept having the narration on, but you have music playing underneath. And then you have this weird battle between electronic and natural instruments that builds so perfectly. You've got a great piano solo, bass solo, drum solo. That the string section. The string section. Um, it just, I just, I love the way that that song is constructed. And when I looked online to see if anyone validated me, I found that most people didn't thought that was one of the weaker songs on the album. I'm like, I don't understand you. <laughs> it's just so, it's just a weird concept. I, I just don't think people understand it. Yeah, uh, I understood it the very first time I heard it. This is an incredible idea for a song. But, it ends pretty awesome. Oh yeah, the ending is really cool. Yeah, there's just the this. big string crescendo with all the instruments kind of battling out, out at the end, and everyone's just playing whatever they want. Uh huh. But so. and it's it's such a the song is such a journey. Yeah, the nine minute epic. Yep. Which is going to be a centerpiece song when we get to that episode. Um. Okay, so yeah, there's our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. Uh, hopefully, if you are not a Daft Punk believer, that you are at least intrigued and interested to check them out. Hopefully, maybe you discover something that you didn't know you liked before. If you're anything like me, uh, Alive would be the perfect first step into getting into them, especially now that, again, the band is gone. And so it's kind of like, now's the perfect time to really just take in their discography. So the way that you can uh, go listen to these songs again is there's a link in the description of the episode. That'll take you to the Spotify playlist. There's another link also that'll take you to our Patreon page where we do our bad music podcast segment where we're going to talk about uh, in this time Daft Punk's six worst songs, but I think even still that's going to, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation because uh, it's 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 different. It's not Lulu or Saint Anger. Yeah, it's not objectively bad. It's just weird. Yes. Um, make sure to hit us up on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, as well as leave a review and let us know uh, what artists you would like for us to cover next time. We. Uh, um, always do once a month a fan requested artist and in fact next week is going to be april's fan requested artist uh, another live album but this time we're going back to the 70s so uh it's going to be we're going to be looking at one of the greatest live records of all time so make sure that you guys check into that new episodes every monday morning 9 a.m central uh, so make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss those. And that's it. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.